And I'm Joel. And this is Sunday School Cinema. And today we're talking about Star Trek. <laughs> For some reason that I'm still unclear on. I'm pretty sure we watched Star Trek for this group at some point. We did, but I'm pretty sure that it was just because we were having a fun night. I don't think we were having like intense conversation about it. I guess, but I still don't understand why we would have chosen this for that purpose. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a weird choice. Well, on several different levels. So to be clear, this is the J.J. Abrams. Uh, 2009 Star Trek, which mm-hmm. came out in 2009, which was around when we were running the group, right? Right. And I know that I was really a big fan of it well, when it came out. No, we we would have been... When did we do this? Because I, I moved to Portland in 2012. Okay, so maybe we were 2013. doing it... 2010 or... I can't remember. Well, within a couple of years. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't like have been a brand new movie or anything, but I guess it wouldn't have been... Maybe Dad hadn't seen it? Maybe. I don't remember watching it for this, but, yeah, apparently we did. I dimly remember watching it for this. Um, Well, I guess, I I honestly don't know how long this episode is going to be or how much we'll have to say about this, but we can talk about our basic feelings on on Star Trek and and J.J. Abrams and that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like we should should discuss Star Trek as a whole a little bit and and then J.J. Abrams and... Yeah, so and this movie, I guess. <laughs> so tell me about your Star Trek feelings, Joel. <laughs> so I've never been like a huge Trekkie. I've, I was always more of a Star Wars guy, and I, I, I would say I still am, in spite of, uh, you know, in spite the, of J.J. Abrams. <laughs> well, I we'll get to that. Uh, but in spite of the mixed bag that the franchise has become, is what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> But I have watched quite a lot of Star Trek. I have watched all of the movies. Uh, I've seen all of the original series, all of The Next Generation. Uh, and I think probably, I think four or five seasons of Deep Space Nine. And maybe like a season and a half of, uh, what was the the one that was, was it? Uh, I can't remember the name of the one that was running at the same time as Deep Space Nine. <laughs> but I watched it- like... Uh, uh, oh, shit. Not... Oh, my God. Uh, Voyager? Was it Voyager? I think it might have been Voyager. Uh, the one with Captain Janeway. Yeah, I think that's Voyager. Uh, I watched, like, maybe a season and a half of that, I think. It was one of the things that uh, that Jared, our brother, and I were watching together um, when we were still watching stuff, still living together at our parents' house. Uh, he would he would rent discs of it from Netflix and... Uh, and we got we yeah obviously we made quite a lot of progress we got through quite a lot of it and I always liked it I mean the next generation had some really great stuff the movies are super hit or miss mm-hmm. uh, but there's some really good ones uh, but it's it's really it's kind of been a long time now since I've like I haven't watched any of the ser- any of uh, any of any of the series in probably at least eight or nine years and I don't know that I've watched any of the movies in that time either so. Uh, certainly, yeah. So I'm definitely, I haven't watched any of the new series or anything that, that they're doing on, is it Paramount Plus? It is. Uh, I haven't, I haven't seen any of that stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly not like a super fan, but I've always liked Star Trek well enough. And I would, it's one of those things that like, if I had unlimited time, I would like to watch through all of the Star Trek shows. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know that I will ever actually get around to that. It's not that high of a priority. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is fair to say that we were not a Star Trek family. Like we were definitely like a Star Wars family. <laughs> we we owned uh, Star Trek 
the voyage home on VHS. That was the fourth one, right? I believe it's either the fourth or fifth one. I think it's the fourth one, the one with the whales. Yes. Uh, And I still quite enjoy that one. It's very silly. Yeah, it's one of the funnier ones. It's it's a good time. Yeah, um, so we own that. I remember remember watching the original Star Trek movie, and then Dad wouldn't let me watch The Wrath of Khan for, like, a while because it was too scary. Um, But he did let me watch The Search for Spock, which is stupid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of, like, vaguely explained what had happened in The Wrath of God. Um, I believe that I have seen all of the movies except, I want to say, First Contact, the one with the Borg, just because that one came out, I think... So 1996. So I was 12. So I was a little too young to watch it because I think it was PG-13. Um, and then by the time I got older and like could have watched it, I didn't care enough anymore. <laughs> um, but you watched the ones after? I did. I did. Um, because I think I watched them mostly as they were coming out. Like, oh, they were okay. in the, like the, I remember the one that came after First Contact, which I remember almost nothing about. But like for that one, I happened to be I was in Idaho visiting Coulter and him and his friends like went to a midnight showing. We went to go see that one. The week I was there, we went to go see that movie. And we also went to go see I think it was The Two Towers that came out uh, that year. Um, so like I went with people or I watched it with other people or whatever. I have watched the first two seasons of the original series and a couple episodes into season three before I finally tapped out. I did not enjoy it for the most part. <laughs> uh, I just, it's not my thing, but like initially when I started watching the original series, my theoretical plan was that I was going to watch all of Star Trek. Um, and that, you know, only made it through two seasons of the, the original series. And a lot of times people will be like, you know, the other series are so different, which I'm sure is true. I mean, obviously, I totally believe that that's true. It's just that, like, if I was going to do it, I was going to do all of it. Um, and I think at this point, I have just, like, accepted it as a cultural thing that I feel like I know enough about that I can, like, recognize the vernacular. I know what people are talking about generally when they talk about things. I have enough, like, base knowledge that it's not a complete mystery to me. And, like, maybe that's all I need because it's very possible I don't actually care that much. Um, (laughs) So, and just, it actually wasn't that long ago that I watched the the last, I would say the most recent, but it's probably the last of the, like, new Star Trek movies just sort of randomly because it was like expiring off of Amazon and I had seen all the others. Um, and that one was very bad and um, and also made me sad because it was like one of Anton Yelchin's last roles and I was just like, shit, like, right. yeah, that's, that's a sad, <laughs> sad, sad ending to life and career there. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I think overall I. I am, like, aware and conscious of, like, the, especially, like, the original cast stuff. Um, and that is kind of where I've landed as far as, like, this is all I need to know to feel like I'm okay. <laughs> right. Um, I've, you know, and, and as I was growing up, I saw, like, you know, random episodes of Next Generation. I saw, um, I remember seeing an episode of Voyager when I was a kid that really scarred me while I was over at my friend's house. Um 
you know, like I, I saw random episodes growing up, but never enough to like have a connection per se. <laughs> that said, I do get reminded every year when I have a Facebook thing come up on my Facebook, you know, memories or whatever, that when I saw this movie, I said that J.J. Abrams was a genius, which is definitely the mm-hmm. only time that I have ever said that. Um, and I have theories on why that is, but we can get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know who I have the distinct feeling was not particularly familiar with the uh, the original Star Trek stuff, or perhaps just hated it and thought it was boring and it sucked. Was that J.J. Abrams? Was not necessarily J.J. Abrams, because he didn't write this, but definitely the two people who wrote this. <laughs> uh, and probably also J.J. Abrams. Um <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess we should we should talk a bit about JJ Abrams. Let's talk. Um, I so I have I, I guess I have kind of weird mixed feelings about JJ Abrams because like pulling up his his filmography here. So as a director, he has six movies to his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he his the first movie he directed was Mission Impossible Three which I still think is the best of the Mission Impossible movies, which is really saying something since Mission Impossible is the best action franchise going right now. It is still the only Mission um, Impossible I have not seen. Have you not seen the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman? I know, I know. I, I'm gonna. Eric and I are gonna watch through all of them. Okay. Probably after we um, finish our Halloween run through. It's, it's quite good, and it was the first of his, because, you know, this is his thing now, is revitalizing franchises. I mean, right. Mission Impossible was dead after the second movie. That movie was terrible. And he came out with the third one, and now it's still going. We've got, I believe, seven and eight both coming out, I think. I thought it was more than that, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I think there are six so far. Um, okay. And then after that, he did Super 8 which was a pretty forgettable, but in my memory, at least a very fun, like riff on the like close encounters era Spielberg. I mean, it was very, it was very obviously a Spielberg homage. I mean, it was was not making any effort to hide it. Like half of a good movie. (laughs) I remember liking it a lot, but I don't remember a lot about it. It was not a super memorable movie. And then after that, he did Star Trek, which at the time I really liked. Uh, no, you're mixing up he, your he you're you're mixing up your timeline here. He did Star Trek before he did Super Eight. He did Star Trek Into Darkness after oh, was Super it? Eight. Yeah. Oh, okay. Star Trek Star was 2009. Oh, right, Super right. Eight was 2011. Star Trek Into Great. Darkness was 2013. Right. Uh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, I did really like this this movie at the time, and I also really liked Into Darkness when it came out. Although I haven't rewatched that one. Um, and then of course he has he did Star Wars and I still <laughs> like the Force Awakens although I don't love the Force Awakens and the Rise of Skywalker is one of the worst things I've ever seen so mm, yeah uh, mixed mixed feelings but I also don't like even even though he has done at least one movie that I really liked and a few others that I enjoy a lot. Uh, I still, I don't, I definitely have a sort of disdain that comes to mind when I think of him. <laughs> and of course, you know, before he got into doing movies, he did Lost and he did, uh, was it Alias was his show? Alias. I think, uh, I think, uh, Fringe was also his. Right. That, well, that would have been after. Yeah. That was a little later. But, that was after Lost. Um, 
I was really into Lost when it was on. Uh, haven't rewatched it. I tried Alias once. I got through like three episodes and just did not grab me at all. So I didn't continue. He also created Felicity. His first thing was Felicity. Which I've never seen. <laughs> I've never seen that. I don't even know what that show's about. The only thing I know about it is that she cuts her hair at some point. <laughs> uh, that's literally the only thing I know about the show. <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I I would say that I used to be a big fan of his because I really liked Lost and then Mission Impossible 3 was great and liked this one at the time and all that. Uh, these days, eh. I mean, he's probably a he's probably better as a producer than as a director. I think uh, he's he, he's more of a big picture guy. I think. I think that I started so when uh, I think Felicity is about a girl who goes to college, and there's something about following her high school crush there or something. I've never watched an episode of it either, but um, I know it was it was big when I was in high school. Um, when Lost came out, I think I made it through four seasons of Lost, um, and I found it too stressful and, like, not enjoyable. Wait, did you never finish it? I never did, no. Um, I, by the time that it had ended, I had gotten to a point where I was really irritated with Abrams, and I didn't trust, and, like, the, the result, like, the reactions to the end were so mixed, that I just didn't... I was like, I, I don't want to sit through another three seasons of this. Um, and then, of course, also by that time, it was getting to the point where I was like, I would have to probably restart the show because I don't remember enough. And I was like, I definitely don't want to sit through seven seasons of this. Um, or six or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. So I just I just never did, and I, I, I feel okay with that. But um, never watched Alias. I definitely... So obviously, when this when this Star Trek came out, I really liked it. I really liked the first half of Super Eight. That was the first time that I think it really became clear to me. And I obvious I was for sure not the first person who said this. I was definitely like I had read other people saying this, which was essentially that like J.J. Abrams was always really interested in the idea of a puzzle box, but didn't actually care that much what was inside. Um, and so. Super 8 was like like the first half the puzzle box part and the stuff with the kids it had a young Elle Fanning and um, it was I, I really liked the stuff with the kids but as soon as it like became about the monster I thought it was really dumb like the monster was stupid and I just didn't care and like <laughs> I just see I don't even remember it I don't even remember it well enough to yeah to, like remember what what you're describing <laughs> I remember because I did really like the first half like I, I was really into it you know it was about teenagers and it was it was a thing that I liked it, and then I I believe I liked Into Darkness until the end, when they definitely murdered like a million people. Right, it was one of those. Yeah, it was like right at that point of the cultural, yeah, <laughs> like shift towards being like. But what if we didn't have insane amount, amounts of collateral damage by our heroes and not even have it mentioned? Yeah, um, which isn't like strictly J.J. Abrams' fault, but is. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, a thing that happened. I liked about half-ish of The Force Awakens. There was definitely stuff in The Force Awakens that I liked a lot. And I was I was feeling pretty frustrated with Abrams by that point. I was not on board. Like, when I first heard he was taking over Star Wars, I was just like, fuck this. Why? Like, why do they have the same person doing Star Wars and Star Trek? That's, like, 
a terrible idea. Um, and then aside from that, I passionately hated the rise of Skywalker, which I, I did very, very much. Um, but also then he did that fucking interview a few months ago where he was like, well, we probably should have had a plan. And I was like, I want to <laughs> murder you slowly. Um, and I, th- <laughs> I think that was the death knell for Abrams for me. Like, I can't imagine ever not wanting to kill him. Um, and not even because I'm so like we were a Star Wars family. I love Star Wars when I was growing up. I really don't have the same attachment to Star Wars as an adult that I had as a child. I I don't feel like my childhood's been ruined or whatever by <laughs> movies that are maybe like less good or seem less good to me coming out. But it's just the sheer fucking like white male audacity of like <laughs> go. It's the same thing as like the fucking Game of Thrones Game of Thrones showrunners. Of them being like, well, yeah, it turns out we just, like, didn't know anything. Yeah, maybe we should have handled that better. Oh, well. And I just, I can't, I can't. My tolerance for it is just to, negative. To be fair, uh, a fair amount of the blame for the Star Wars one probably goes to Kathleen Kennedy. but uh, And that could be. There's, there's, there's plenty of blame to go around. <laughs> but it's also, it's, just, it's, it's Abrams, like, haha, lol. Especially yeah. when you take into account like what some of that blowback did to particularly actors of color mm-hmm. from the, those movies, and it just it just feels gross to me, and I just I hate it. I hate it very much. So I've moved from like kind. Of, well, I mean, apparently I did really like the first Star Trek, um, and like being okay with him, but not like him, but being like he's not really my thing. Do I? I hate him. Um. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I, I think that's where I'm at with Abrams these days. <laughs> so you don't you don't still really like this one, do you? I liked it okay. Um, okay. I I liked it especially and maybe it's maybe it's maybe it benefits from the fact that I watched the third one or whatever it was or fourth one. I don't remember what number it was. Fourth one, I think, um, like a few months ago, and that one was so bad. Wait, of the newer ones? Yeah. I think there were only three. Then the third one, then. Yeah. Was into darkness. And it was, yeah, no, that was, it was real bad. It had, I think it was Idris Elba as the villain, right? Yes. Yeah, that was the third one, and it, yeah, it sucked. It it's was terrible, really bad. it's terrible. And so it may have benefited some from that. Um, it may also have benefited from the fact that I don't give a shit about the original Star Trek, so, like, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter to me if, like, things aren't, I kind of enjoyed I, I was surprised to find myself, for the most part, it's too long. But for the most part, like, more... God, like, it's too long. It was very Why long. the fuck is this movie two hours and ten minutes long? <laughs> but like, I, I, for the most part, was like, all right. Like, as far as an origin story goes, I, I'm okay with this. Like, it was, it was mostly fun. I, I liked it well enough. I get bored during all the action scenes, and then I just sort of, like, zone out. Well, That's this is the, here's, here's the thing. I, could, I just asked the question why this movie is two hours and ten minutes long, and I can answer it. It's because... The people who wrote it think that Star Trek is boring, and so they added, like, 15 completely pointless little mini-action sequences into it that they could have totally dropped without losing anything, (laughs) and it would have cut the movie down by 20 minutes. Like, it it just kept happening, where they would have this, like, when Kirk was on the ice planet and the two monsters were chasing him, I, I don't know what how evolution created a bright red creature on this planet, but there was just, there was no reason for that scene. It was completely pointless. It was just, but it went on for like three or four minutes. 
and then ended and the movie continued. It, it was there was there was just stuff like that all through the movie. It was terrible. I mean, it's definitely helped by the fact that it has really good actors in it. I had completely forgotten that Chris Hemsworth played. Um, yeah, that's right. Early Chris Hemsworth role. Yeah. Played Kirk's father yeah, uh, for like, you know, yeah. 10 minutes or whatever uh, before he dies. But still, um, I I mean, I like Chris Pine a lot and he's I like him as Kirk, which I mean, you know, that's part of it, too, is that like. I mean, aside from Willem Dafoe, or not Willem Dafoe, what? William Shatner being a, like, horrible fucking person. Um, I also just hated watching him. I hated watching him in the original Star mm. Trek. Every second of him, I hated watching him. Um, I always thought that he was he just seemed like such an asshole all the time, and he was so rapey in, like, multiple episodes. And I just... Like, I felt like I was clearly supposed to like him, and Kirk is supposed to be this character that I really like, and William Shatner just, I just despised him. Um, and so, you know, I like Chris Pine, and I overall liked his role in this movie, even though he was kind of an asshole, but I, I, I enjoyed watching him a lot more than I ever enjoyed watching Shatner, and probably there's some Trekkie somewhere that's about to come, like, you know, scream at me, but, um, <laughs> I, I like that. I like. I think Quinto as Spock is really good. Quinto's an obvious choice for Spock, and he's a pretty good one. He's probably the strongest of the cast here, I think. I'm not a huge fan of Chris Pine. I think, uh, well, other than, uh, I was going to say he's my least favorite of the Chris's, but now, uh, what's <laughs> no, his name? Has, it's, uh, Chris, Chris Pratt, Pratt has, yeah. <laughs> has taken that spot. But I still I don't really have anything against Chris Pine. I just think he's kind of boring. Oh, uh, that's interesting. I, I don't love him as much as some people do, but I do like him. Yeah. I know a lot of people are really into him, but I, I, for some reason, he's never really, never really grabbed me. He also seems to be a nice guy, which is nice. At least yeah. nothing terrible has come out about him yet. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, I did not hate Shatner is Kirk. I found him. Uh, I mean, all of the things that you said were true. I don't actually disagree with you. Uh, but I, I found I, I am one of the people who I find his his delivery of lines and stuff just goofy enough to be entertaining. And I just makes I my skin crawl. And I, I yeah. it's hard to be entertained by it when I want to stab him. Yeah, so. that's fair. <laughs> I did like Spock. I really like uh, what right Leonard Nimoy as Spock is obviously yeah he's great. And, you know, it was kind of cool to see him in this, but also kind of annoying. Uh, it's it's funny. I don't know what happened to Zach Quinto. He was, like, on the verge of being the next big thing. He was he had uh, that villain role in Heroes that was he was so good in. And He came out as gay? And then, and he was, no, that wasn't, wasn't that always a thing? Did I, don't know think he was so. I don't think we knew he was gay in Heroes. I mean, he's still yeah. acting, but I mean, yeah. He's yeah, not. I know he was, he's been in like American Horror Story and stuff, but. Um, he's Yeah, it looks like he's done a lot of TV work. I mean, you're not wrong. It looks like for a while he was going to be like a big, a big movie star and things went another way. Um, yep. But. Yeah. Uh, Saldano's was fine as Uhura. Uh, Carl Urban is. Nemo, as Leonard McCoy, I hated. I like his fine. I oh, he's he's the one person who is like all he's doing is just a, a bad imitation of McCoy from the original show, and it's I hated it. Okay. Uh, it looked like he watched about thirty seconds of footage from the original and just ran with that for the whole time. Uh, <laughs> but you know, 
whatever. John Cho as Sulu is good. Simon Pegg as as Scotty was perfect. Yeah, and Yelchin as Chekhov is. And Han Yelchin is. Although Chekhov. he's supposed to be seventeen, which is kind of funny, but um, <laughs> I, I, he's clearly younger than everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of people I had forgotten. Like I didn't remember that Winona Ryder plays Fox Mom, or that Jennifer Morrison um, was uh, Kirk's mom. Uh, there, there were just people that showed up periodically. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Bruce Greenwood is uh, as Captain Pike yeah. or Admiral Pike, I think. Yeah, uh, he's he's one of those reliable character actor guys that shows up all over the place. Yeah, uh, and I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's fine. It's fun. I it's it's fine. It is two hours long, which is long. Um. I, yeah, no, I definitely got to the point where, like, I paused it going into that <laughs> and was like, how the fuck does this still have half an hour left? This has been going forever. I don't understand how there are still 30 minutes in this movie. So, I mean, I, I mean, like, in very broad oversight, because I'm sure that neither of us want to go through this movie point by point, nor am I certain that I could, even though I just watched it a few hours ago. Um, it is basically an origin story kind of for for the original crew. Um, we see Kirk, you know, being a troublemaker and him starting to make friends and spot. The big, the big thing that has happened is that there's a Romulan dude who's like trying to kill everyone and ends up blowing up Vulcan and Spock's mom dies. Um, right. Because she's standing 10 feet away from them for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) He had literally like, it was, um, uh, uh, What's his name? Yeltsin. Anton Yeltsin's character. Um, we just said his name two minutes ago. Chekhov. Yeah. Manning the, the transporter. And he had literally, two minutes before, he had managed to beam Kirk and Sulu back to the ship, even though they were they were plummeting through the air. He had managed <laughs> to grab them and bring them back to the ship. But he somehow didn't manage to grab her, even though she was... Yeah. <laughs> it, it was... It was strange. The big twist for this Star Trek, which was certainly marketed as just like a as an origin story. um, And the big I I don't believe that this element was in the trailers. No, no, it definitely wasn't. Is that um, they are an alternate timeline version um, of this. And so Leonard Nimoy shows up as the original Spock and the villain has also been thrown out from a different timeline where his planet was destroyed because Spock's plan failed um, to save his planet. And um, so he's going to make Spock pay and make him suffer the way that he suffered or whatever, Um, which is obviously kind of silly. But I think I, I honestly think as I was watching this, I think that the reason that I was that I liked it so much is that I suspect this was one of the first times especially for a major movie. I suspect this was one of the first times that I had ever seen alternate timelines be a thing. And I really like alternate timelines. I like that kind of fuckery. It's that's just a thing I really enjoy. And I thought it was a clever way of like, of doing a clean slate. Like you don't have to do all of the stuff that the others have done. You can't, you know, you're not going to like, it's a different timeline. Different things happen. But then they proceeded to make three extremely bad movies. So, uh, <laughs> or like two and a half. No, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that is, you know, it's it's a fairly elegant solution to the, like, you know, you're going to have people mad at you if you don't follow everything exactly the same. But if you do, then what's the point? Right. So, exactly. Uh, and also a way to get 
Leonard Nimoy into your movie, which I'm sure they wanted to do. And who doesn't uh, want Leonard Nimoy in a movie? So yeah, sure. Uh, but we have like, <laughs> there's a couple scenes at the beginning. We we we're introduced to both Kirk and Spock as children. Yes. Uh, where we learn that the Beastie Boys exist in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> and also, that, the child Spock is terrible. <laughs> he's terrible, and also apparently uh, Vulcan bullies are idiots. <laughs> They had come to make fun of him. Like, how many times did he say? 37 or something. (laughs) And apparently it had never occurred to them until this time to make fun of his mom, which is like, that's like bullying 101, right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That was, this was the time that did it because they called his mom a whore. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Again, they could have, they could have lost all that stuff without actually losing anything from the movie. I don't think. No, it's true. I mean, we're just supposed to see that like, that like James Kirk is, was a rebel from a young age, but who the fuck cares? Like you could have lost his whole stealing the car thing. Cause nothing happens with it really. Like you could yeah. have lost all of that and just started with him in the bar and it would have, it would have been the same movie. Like, <laughs> so, I mean, the, I guess the big thing with Spock was not the child scene where he was getting bullied. I mean, I guess the point of that was so that his dad could tell him the lie reason that he married his mom and then later tell him the true reason. But like, um, it was the scene where he refused, where he ends up joining Starfleet instead of um, the Vulcan Council or whatever. Right, but that was yeah. But that so was that, later. <laughs> exactly. That was by that time he was played by Quinto. Right. So. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they do stuff. There's a lot of fighting and 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 things blowing up and um, figuring stuff out and trying to nail the characters down. And I I did think that the solution was at the time I thought it was brilliant, and now I will say that kind of elegant probably sums it up but then I think okay but like now I know what happened and what happened is that you basically threw it all away I'd like bullshit yeah. <laughs> right? so I feel, so who cares <laughs> yeah um, and then you know at the end there they James gets promoted and Spock comes in and asks to be his bestie and first mate or whatever um and then he's got all of his little crew and they're gonna go off and have adventures which as it turns out will be really stupid adventures <laughs> <laughs> i know that like like i know dad liked star trek but didn't love star trek like he is the reason that we saw mom didn't like sci-fi much at all so yeah like he is the reason that we saw any Star Trek, I think, when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, my best guess is that we decided to watch it, that the Dad didn't go to theaters with us to see it, and that we... Yeah, maybe maybe we had it around for some reason, or it had just hit Netflix or something, and I don't even know. I mean, it was... Although this would have been before we were streaming stuff on Netflix, I think. Yeah. Or, I don't know. No, I don't it would have. Yeah, we we weren't we but, didn't stream anything um, for the group. Yeah. It was all discs. But I don't know. I even though I am not like as I said, I'm not like a diehard Trekkie. I just I spent this whole movie just thinking like clearly these people do not understand and don't care about <laughs> the point of any. You know, the Star Trek is about like you know, the advancement of humanity and like, uh, exploration and curiosity and, you know, and, 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 uh, um, 
the word I'm looking for? Uh, Wonder? <laughs> well, yes, but that's uh, something a little more like, uh, oh, fuck, what, what an ambassador does. What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. Authority. Where you like work together instead of fighting. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> collaboration. <laughs> no, it's more specific than that. I can't. Either way, but sure. At any rate, this movie literally makes fun of that idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, is Kirk and Spock are always are always arguing in the original show, but you know, they they like talk through their differences and they they come to like joint conclusions and in this one it's like you know Kirk and Spock are disagreeing let's have them have a fist fight on the bridge of the Enterprise with the whole crew watching I mean, to be <laughs> fair, I feel like that was supposed to be sort of the the thing and the ideas that they then come around and well but it was not that was not that was we're clearly supposed to be under the impression that Kirk did the right thing there by like Pushing Spock into a fist. Oh yeah, no, that's true. Like, that was. That <laughs> but was essentially, true. that is what older Spock told him to do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and they, like when they first run into the bad guys, they're, you know, they're like, okay, I'm gonna go over there and, he, and talk to him, and he's like, but don't do that. Negotiate. We have we gain nothing by negotiating here. Why would you <laughs> even consider doing that? Let's just shoot them. <laughs> Yeah. It, was, it was just, it was really aggravating. I, I couldn't stay. Yeah, I, I really hated it. Okay. Which is unfortunate because I, I definitely liked it when it first came out and I was hoping to enjoy it again. But diplomacy, that's the word I was looking there for. There we go. Diplomacy. <laughs> well, I mean, that's probably enough talking about Star Trek. Uh, what did you, what did you end up raising yeah. it? I knocked. I had it at a four out of five, and I knocked it down to a one and a half. Oh wow! Which honestly, that may be like I trying to think about what I would base that one and a half on. I can't really think of much, so I feel like that may have been being overly generous. But <laughs> wow. Okay, I knocked it down to like a three point five because I enjoyed it well enough um, uh, out of a four from a four. But <laughs> no, I hated it. All right. Well, it. that's that's okay then. We can we can move on with our lives. We haven't recorded in a while, so I imagine we have some uh, some stuff to share. <laughs> yeah, I've got some. Well, let's pick our next movie. Uh, oh right, and then we can do that. I believe we have we have seventy currently. Seventy. Okay. Uh, what's thirty-two? Thirty-two. 32 is Henry Poole is here. What? <laughs> what the fuck is that? I don't even... Was that uh, that one with the Wilson brother? Yes. <laughs> I didn't remember we watched that for group. I thought that movie sucked then. <laughs> I really don't remember anything about it except the cover, but I guess it's up on HBO, so... Okay. Yeah, I gave that a two out of five at the time. I can't imagine I'll rate it higher now, but okay. Based on the description, I could at least. I mean, it. And Dad really liked it. I know uh, Dad. Really liked it. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The description is Henry Poole abandons his fiance and oops, 
his fiance and family business to spend what he believes are his remaining days alone. The discovery of a miracle by a noisy, nosy neighbor ruptures his solitude and restores his faith in life. So if it sounds recall, awful. If I recall correctly, the miracle was that his neighbor sees Jesus's face in some, uh, oh, like, yeah. a water stain on his wall or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, well, yeah. We'll we'll watch that. Um, it's it's only an hour and thirty nine minutes. So well, that's something, I guess. <laughs> Man, I, I I remember watching this like with Dad once, but I didn't remember we actually watched it for the whatever. George, we'll get through it. It's George Lopez. Yeah, I was just noticing that. Build. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. first or shall i uh why don't you go ahead i gotta pull up my list here okay um so okay so the last thing we watched was no country for old men and i think i mentioned that we were that eric and i were watching the halloween movies Mm -hmm. um i think we'd only watched one at the time we have now watched uh we watched uh four uh friday um, that was the first one I haven't seen. I had seen the first three before. Um, so four was the first one I hadn't seen. It was fun. I mean, it was it was very silly, but it was, you know, a tight 85 minutes. And and <laughs> is, is, is it the second one or the third one that doesn't have Myers in it? The third one is the one that doesn't have Myers in it. I actually do okay. kind of have a soft spot for the third one because like the I was, third one has a fan base. I know I've never I've only ever seen the first one and the newest one. But because basically what happened was that Carpenter and I can't remember the woman's name who was doing co-write uh, Deborah Hill and John Carpenter um, co-wrote Halloween and they ended up doing Halloween too, but they didn't really have much of an idea apparently as far as story at that point, um, which is why it's in Halloween too, that we find out that Jamie Lee Curtis is Michael's sister. Um, and so then they agreed to do a third one, but only if it wasn't about Michael Myers at all, they wanted to turn the Halloween franchise into sort of an anthology franchise. Right. Which was, yeah, which like was actually just... not a bad idea. Right. Um, especially since, like, truly Michael Myers is, like, the least interesting villain. <laughs> like, he's just, like, it's fine in the first one, but by the time you get to the second one, you're just like, okay, but, like, there's nothing here. Like, oh, we, anytime there's anything that might make him, like, human and therefore scarier, we have the, the psychiatrist screaming at us that he's just evil on two legs. <laughs> Right. No part of yeah. this human anymore. Um, the psychiatrist is my favorite part. But uh, anyway, and then they did a terrible job. Donald Pleasance, right? Yes. <laughs> they, they did a terrible job marketing the third one. I don't think they had a lot in the way of, like, examples of a movie thing like that. Um, and so it flopped horribly. Uh, but I actually think it's kind of interesting. Like, it's kind of a fun, it's late 70s, I think, Um weird horror story from or no 1982 uh weird horror story from that time and i i, I don't know i kind of like it um i don't love it but i i like it well enough and then the fourth one they were just like no we are not coming back to do more right <laughs> like, i hadn't even realized that they were involved through the third one they were yeah and on that so yeah. i mean carpenter didn't direct two and three but they right i knew that but yeah i i didn't realize they were involved in all that far in so we've watched four of those so far, making our way through that. Um, we uh, let's see. After we last recorded, I watched uh, the Trial of the Chicago Seven, 
just sort of randomly. I just like felt like watching a movie. I was slipping through and I had every once in a while, I'm like, I want to watch a movie. And the first thing that sounds appealing to me for some reason, I'm just going to hit play. <laughs> I didn't realize you hadn't seen that one. Yeah, no, I'd never gotten around to it. It was fine. I okay. It's, yeah. it's fine. There was some good stuff in it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's fine. not great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Chris and I watched a couple more Disney Channel movies, one of which was Double Teamed, which sounds like a porn, but is actually a movie about the first female, the like two of the first women to help form the um, WNBA. Uh, oh. and, but it's about them in high school. It's It's not very interesting. But the one we watched before that was Ring of Endless Light, which is... That one time that Disney Channel decided, what if we made a movie out of one of Madeline Lengel's books? But wait, what if we picked one of her books from the middle of the series <laughs> and gave it no context whatsoever? And then what if we tried to, like, meld the vision of a, of a Disney Channel original movie and Madeline Lengel? <laughs> what if we did that? That does seem like an odd choice. Yeah. It was real weird. It was definitely not boring, though. And it was so funny because they would have, like, like lines or, you know, minor monologues or whatever that are so clearly straight from the book, if you know Madeline mm-hmm. Lengel's writing, but sound insane in the middle of a Disney Channel. <laughs> um, Probably whoever wrote it did not envision it as a Disney Channel original movie. No, but no, did not. Um, hey. It was really funny, though. Um, and I can't even imagine how it would have how it would have felt if you were unfamiliar with that. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, and then me and Al, uh, me and Eric went to go see Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I it? saw that one too. Did you yeah. like it? I liked it quite a lot. Yeah, I did too. no, it, it's uh, one of the 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 stronger ones. I think obviously Tony Leung is one of the better Marvel villains so far. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, no, I liked it a lot. It, it, it had the same kind of like uh, third act problems that I think every single Marvel movie has had so far. But uh, yeah, it was still still quite good. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it very much. Um, and I I don't know. So far, I'm trying not to let Marvel get my hopes up because they do sometimes. But so far, I'm feeling positive about this new phase. Yeah, um, same. same. So I'm really hoping... You know, listening to, like, one of the things, listening to Joanna Robinson talk with people about, like, the MCU. Um, did you know she's writing a book about the MCU? I don't think I did. She is currently writing a book about the MCU, and she also just left Vanity Fair for some new... For some I did see that. ...new uh, opportunity that she hasn't yet disclosed. <laughs> um, but regardless, um, you know, one of the things she talks about a lot is that when she would interview... What's his face? Uh, if you hadn't asked me, I would have been able to tell you right <laughs> off the top of my head. But uh, Kevin Feige. Yes, Kevin Feige. Yeah. And how Feige would talk about the importance of, like, slowly teaching audiences, you know, to expect weirder stuff and to, like, um, to, like understand that more. Um, and she really thinks that, well, she certainly thinks that, you know, it, it, the MCU will never be as weird as she would like it to be or probably, you know, it was definitely as weird as I would like it to be. But she thinks that after these first couple of phases, that the audience is a lot more primed um, for weirder stuff and that you can see that as they're starting this phase. And I'm I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that that is true. Uh, 
And I had so much fun at Changing the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, the weirdest thing about it was that we went to it and there was only one trailer that played uh, before it. <laughs> just is, the that, trailer that for feels the... feels like a mistake. Just yeah. the trailer for the Eternals and nothing else. Huh. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah, that feels like someone messed up and forgot to... Yeah. Put some of the files in the in the queue or something. Um, but anyway, I liked it a lot. And then uh, Morgan and I watched sort of randomly a movie that had been on my queue for a while, um, Destination Wedding, with uh, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder. Oh, yeah. I kind of vaguely remember that. Which was not I what I was it, expecting. Um, I, I think I just had it sort of in my mind as like some sort of rom-com with the two of them. That's that's not what it is. Um, it was. It's only the two of them. There are no other speaking roles in the movie. Um, it, so it's very stage-like in that way. Um, there are sort of people around them a lot of the time, but we never actually see anyone else speak. Reeves doesn't seem like a great actor for that kind of setup. I actually thought he was great. I thought him and yeah, Renata together okay. were great. Um, okay. They're both assholes. Like they're just they're both terrible fucking people who right. are sort of like put together because both like because definitely the people running the wedding know that they suck and no one else wants to be near them. And it would have been honestly the last. So it's like 85 minutes. It's a short watch. The last 20 minutes feel needless. Like it's really the first hour that's like pretty strong. Um, and has a lot of really funny lines and stuff. And also, for no apparent fucking reason, in ways that added nothing to anything, there's like three transphobic jokes in it. Um, oh. <laughs> so that was really a shame. <laughs> uh, because there was a lot of it that I really thought was interesting and enjoyed. And then like there would just be like a random line out of nowhere. And Morgan and I would be like, wait, what? <laughs> what the fuck was that? That's annoying. Um, so I don't even know if I can recommend it exactly, but it is weird and sort of interesting. And with that caveat that what the fuck, I mean, if you were going to watch something streaming, it's not terrible for that. So mm. then we were talking about rom-coms and whatever. And I found out that Morgan had never watched Sleepless in Seattle. Um, and I hadn't watched it in years. So we watched Sleepless in Seattle, uh, which I felt like held up better than I expected it to. Like, it's a very silly movie and it's like a wash with nostalgia for me. Um, mm. But it's still, it still lands for me. And I, I mean, Tom Hanks is like the sad dad is like a very, <laughs> very good. Um, however, it was at this point partway through the movie. I, I don't know how well you remember Sleepless in Seattle or when the last time was you watched Sleepless in Seattle. I have actually seen Sleepless in Seattle as an adult, although it's been several years. So you remember that one of the main, like, back themes for the movie is that all women are obsessed with the movie and a fair to remember? Yes, and I do remember that. Yeah. Whatever, which is a movie that I watched mostly because of Sleepless in Seattle, really. <laughs> um, yeah, which I, thought which was I fine. suspect that's true for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, but there's a part in the movie where it's playing a part of that movie, and Morgan looks at me and says, so I assume that's Cary Grant, because they were talking about him? And I was like... <laughs> Do you not know what Cary Grant looks like? <laughs> and Morgan was like, no. And then I found out that Morgan has almost never watched a movie before 1960. So, yeah, um, so that's, that's <laughs> pretty common, I think. I think I've learned. Um, anyway, so that happened. And then uh, me and Mona and Eric and Morgan all watched the original Candyman. And then the next day, Mona got sick, but me and Eric and Morgan went to go see the new Candyman. Um, which I liked a lot better than you, it sounds like. Um, I like both of them a lot. I think they're both really interesting. 
but I, I know you had some issues with the ending of the new one. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it has not improved in my, in my memory either. So, right. well, these their own. I thought it was cool. Um, and then I randomly watched a movie the other night. It was, it was, you know, I look at, I always look at criterions, like what's expiring off of criterion. Um, and this was just a, it wasn't something I'd ever heard of before. It was a documentary called, D- did you wonder who fired the gun? Oh yeah. No, I've seen that. That's okay. Great. Yeah. Super fascinating. fascinating. Yeah. About this, um, made by this guy who basically found out that his, his grandfather, right. Or his great, so, yeah. Yeah, his grandfather, um, had been a part of murdering a black man and had gotten in no trouble for it. Um, right. It's basically like family lore. Yeah. Yeah. This is just, this is a thing that had happened. And then as it goes along, it also turns out that he was probably also, um, uh, molested his daughters and, <laughs> and, uh, at least one of them, um, and, uh, was a bully and, you know, a generally terrible person. But, um, did you wonder who fired the gun is a, it's a very artistic rendering. He does a lot of like interesting things of him, like trying to reckon with like this family history of like, what does this mean of the, you know, that the way I was able to grow up was largely because, you know, it was, it was based on this very racist thing in which, in which literally people were killed. <laughs> um, and you know, he, he didn't know this man. There's like one picture of him with him when he was a child and, um, you know, so, so what does that mean? It, 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 it is really interesting. It's like, <laughs> it's like, nice. yeah. it's, it's, yeah. I, I believe it was, it, it had its origins as some sort of live, uh, like presentation show mm. that he did. I, I don't totally know that. what that looked like exactly, but I believe that was the origin of it. Um, I saw it because, uh, the film spotting podcast had it as a nominee for their golden brick award, which is ah, an award they okay. do for like, a under, underseen, yeah. uh, underappreciated movie by like a new or emerging filmmaker. And mm-hmm. they had it as a nomination for that. That was where I heard of it. And then I think movie had it at some point a couple of years ago. So I watched it and yeah, yeah I, I really liked it. I was really impressed. Super fascinating. Um, and then Friday, aside from Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers, um, Eric and I also watched uh, malignant. Oh, how was that? So I'm I'm still like on the fence about because I've heard I've heard from enough people that it's really interesting that I'm kind of curious. But it's really fucking silly. I don't. Okay. okay. <laughs> I don't want to say That's... I enjoyed watching it. Like I I enjoyed watching it. I was glad that Eric and I decided to watch it at home and not in theaters because there were multiple points in the movie where we burst out laughing so hysterically. That, like, if people in the theaters had not been experiencing things the same way, then I would have felt guilty. Um, because aside from the very silly plot, which I think is intentionally silly, that I'm not really, like, <laughs> trying mm. to be shitty about it. I'm pretty sure James Wan, like, wrote it camp in a lot of ways. Um, it is also set in Seattle. Which right. adds I mean, a the, whole the trailer layer has of a shot of, yeah. The trailer has a shot of the space needle, so I knew that. Yes. It adds a whole layer of fucking banana stuff that is probably only hilarious if you live in the Seattle area. Yeah. Um, but it is very hilarious. Okay. Okay. I, I I don't think I'll I don't think I'll go see it in the theater, but I might it is on HBO. I might watch it. Yeah. That's where I'm we still. watched it. It's hundred and ten minutes. It's uh I I did really enjoy the experience. I laughed a lot. Um, So I I would I think it's worth it, especially, you know, we're coming up on October or whatever. I think it's a good it's a good movie for Halloween season. 
Right. It's just very silly. (laughs) Um, And then we watched uh, this uh, Sweet Smell of Success, which was the next movie on Ebert's list. Uh, I saw your Letterboxd review of that. I have never seen that movie. Yeah, I had never seen it either. And it was... uh, I, I liked it a lot. It was really well. I, but wow, what a what a bleak, cynical <laughs> story. Right. Um, but it, I mean, it was it was good though. I mean, it was it was um, yeah. I would recommend it. Um, and I think that's all for movies. And then for TV, keeping up on Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Liking. What did you think of that last episode? I liked it. Um, yeah. The... Yeah, I'm still you... I'm still like. I can't remember. Have you seen After Hours? I thought I saw After Hours with you, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't remember. I've only watched it once, uh, so I was. It took. I was like halfway through the episode before I realized, oh, this is a riff on After Hours. Maybe I didn't uh, watch it. Um, no, I have not seen it according to Letterboxd. Um, so yeah, I mean, I yeah, we we've been watching that. I have overall been really liking this season, which I've noticed is a bit more polarizing than the first season was for people. Um, yeah, it definitely started out more polarizing. Yeah, it's still working for me. So, yeah, same. Um, I've been watching Reservation Dogs. Have you been watching that? Uh, I've still only watched the first episode so far, but I really liked it. Really so I'm, great. I'm going to keep watching it. I just haven't. Yeah, excellent, excellent yeah. stuff. Super recommend it. Um, I watched all four episodes of the Amazon Lula Rich thing, um, which is a documentary series about the about sort of the creation of the LuLaRoe um, multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> um, it's okay. It left me not quite to the same extent, but as, I, as especially the further I got away from it, the more I started to feel at least reminiscent of how I felt watching The Vow in that it was weird whose voices were in the movie and whose voices weren't in the movie. Um, mm. And I started feeling like there was more of this story that isn't isn't there and I started I started wishing for someone else to make a story that had more of it there. Um, okay. It really felt like it really felt like there was some notable absences of people. You know, I mean, most of the people who talk were people who were pretty high up and who like did get they got screwed over a little bit. Some of them, um, some more than others. But, you know, I mean, a huge number of people who got into LuLaRoe, like most MLMs, made no money and lost a lot of money. Um, and we didn't hear from any of them. Uh, and <laughs> that seemed weird. Uh, yeah. and, uh, but I did learn a thing that I did not know, which is that Washington state sued LuLaRoe, um, and were <laughs> largely responsible for, I mean, it, it's not really accurate or true to say that they've like disintegrated. They've essentially just moved on to a slightly different formatting, but, um, apparently Washington state was the one that sort of started going after them. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. um, Mona and Allison and I finished F Boy Island. Um, sure, it's real dumb. I don't know, but the last episode, I think all three of us were shrieking regularly, so they at least got our uh, got our attention. I don't know. Um, I've been watching the new Muppet Babies on Disney Plus. I don't think I even knew there was a new Muppet Babies well, on Disney Plus. Well, it made it made some headlines earlier this year because um, they have an episode where Gonzo comes out as non-binary. <laughs> and Gonzo, Gonzo is now canon non-binary and goes by they, them pronouns. 
Uh, which is cool. So I guess, yeah, I guess I was, I was interested in that. And so I've been watching, it's very cute. It's very cute. I, it's, it's like, it's not, it is definitely, you know, sometimes there are kids shows that it's like, okay, this is like a kid's show that is equally an adult show. It's not that it definitely is a kid's show, but, um, it's still, it's still pretty funny and I, I enjoy it. Um, and then I started, I've watched the first three episodes of nine perfect strangers. Um, and I don't know. I still haven't started that. I don't know where I land on it at this point. It makes me feel weird. Um, mm. Sort of melancholy and stressed at the same time. Um, I don't know. That sounds like my kind of thing. <laughs> it does. It actually does sound more like your kind of thing than yeah. my kind of thing. Um, but uh, but also it's sort of culty. So so that part's my sort of thing. Um, mm. But. Yeah, so I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it. I think it's eight episodes or something. I'm I'm gonna watch the rest, but um, I'm still okay. not sure what I think about it at this point. And Eric and I finished the f- the third season. We have one season left of Infinity Train. Third season was very very good. I'm looking forward to watching the final season. Um, okay. Up on HBO and it's just little ten minute episodes. Real easy to to get through and uh, sort of a um, anthology show, and that each season is a different story and they've done some really cool stuff with that so i think that's all i got (laughs) okay um so i think last time i talked a little bit about brand new cherry flavor i'd started it you did yes uh so i finished that one really liked it i mean it's it's exactly my kind of like weird like cronenbergy horror thing it feels Uh, like it's not mine but i do like cronenberg but I hate yeah. Lynch. Is it more Cronenbergian or Lynchian? <laughs> I would say it's definitely more Cronenbergian. Okay. Uh, it's more it, it although it it does have some eye stuff in it that you will probably have trouble watching. I've noticed that just uh, in the marketing materials. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I really liked it and. Okay. Uh, um, I'll put it on yeah, the page. Yeah. <laughs> I probably need to go back and watch more of Channel Zero. Mm. Uh, the, the guy's other previous yeah, show. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, it's been a while, but at some point back on this show, I think I probably talked about May and I watching Hannibal together. Um, oh, yeah. We watched the first two seasons a while ago now, but we hadn't watched the third season, so we just recently started on that. Uh, we're a little over halfway through, so we've we've just gotten into the the second half of it that's the, the I don't know if you remember the third season is basically it's basically two mini seasons um yeah the I, mean, first I never half of it. I never watched it so oh I thought you finished that show no I got through season one and it was such a horrible experience oh. for me that I was unable to convince myself to continue oh okay didn't remember that <laughs> at any rate the third season is basically split in half they have it's two completely the third the second half of it is set three years after the first half uh, and the second half of the, the second half of the season is basically just a straight adaptation of red dragon the first book okay i do dimly uh, recall that being talked about yeah yeah so we just started on that uh it's great i love it um <laughs> uh and that was also um the guy uh, i'm blanking on his name already, but the guy who created Nick Antosca, the guy who created Brand New Cherry Flavor ah. was also a, a writer-producer on the third season of Hannibal, which was what got me thinking about it again and why we started watching it. Um, let's see. Uh, I finished season two of Mythic Quest. 
Um, I'm not sure if they're going to do more. It ended in a way that felt like it could have been the end, but I don't think they've said that it's the end end. Um, I, I, I think I like the first season better than the second season, but, uh, I did, I, I have enjoyed it overall. Um, finished, uh, what was the other thing I finished? I can't remember what the other thing I finished was. Uh, I did finally start watching Dickinson. Oh! And I don't like it. I'm not sure I'm going to finish the first season. I mean, honestly, Um, if you're not into it in the first couple episodes, it's probably just not your thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of funny, but I feel like, like, I think in the first two episodes, I think it has been said out loud four different times how weird her she is. Oh, see, but I love that because I think that the the goal that is such an adolescent thing to me. And I think that so much of the show really revolves around these kids who feel like real teenagers to me in a way that I find wonderful. But you don't really like teenagers like I do. So it may just not appeal to you in the same way. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I to me, it just feels like every aspect of the show is like, look at this weird girl. She's so weird. Look how weird she is. Isn't that cool? Even though she was way back then. She's so weird. Isn't that nice? How that, weird she that's is. That's one of the things teenagers. It's, it's just uh, <laughs> it <laughs> like uh, I, I still I, I, I'm fine I'm fine with her being weird but it drives me nuts to have the show constantly telling me how weird she is yeah no I, I think but I think that the performative nature of it is a part of what makes it feel very realistically adolescent to me I um, I mean I still think the first season is one of my absolute favorite things I've watched it two or three times now I think the second season was fine it didn't it didn't hit as hard but um but it sounds like it's just like i said if you've watched the first couple episodes and you're not into it then you probably won't be and you should probably just stop out there yeah, yeah i might drop it it's definitely because <laughs> I, re- I really like Haley steinfeld i sure. think she's great um but you, you know, can watch her in I'm the just, new hawkeye show oh yeah i forgot about that <laughs> i guess yeah i guess i'll probably watch that um i think that might be all for tv um for movies, I watched. I actually don't have that many movies. Um, I watched a movie called Rockers on Mubi, uh, which is a, a. Apparently, there was like a a small in like the late seventies and eighties. There was a, a a sort of small surge of um, reggae movies from that were made in in the Caribbean. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm not particularly familiar with it. I'm not at all familiar with it, uh, but Rockers is, I guess, the the best known of the of that uh, wave of movies. Um, and it's, I guess, it actually started life as a documentary about reggae musicians, but then they ended up deciding to do a, a narrative film instead. So, like, huh. the main the main character in it is a guy. Uh, I, this is my understanding, at least, and I'm, I am not at all familiar with reggae as a genre, so I might have some of this wrong. But the main character in it is played by an actual uh, reggae drummer, like a really famous one, uh, and he's playing like a version of himself. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a riff on the Bicycle Thieves. He plays this uh, he plays a reggae drummer who is he he buys a motorcycle in order to make extra money by. Uh, riding around the island and selling reggae records to record stores and stuff. And then his motorcycle gets stolen. Mm. And so he's, he's like trying to find it so that he can continue doing this job. It's, I don't know. You've seen the bicycle thieves, right? Yeah. You know, it doesn't have a son character, but it's a, uh, 
that, that's kind of the the thrust of it. Um, but it was it was interesting. I, I didn't love it, but it was an interesting movie. It was worth seeing. Um, uh, I went to see the Card Counter. Oh yeah, how was that? The new Paul Schrader movie. Uh, I dug it. it. It was not as good as First Reformed, certainly, um, but it was good. For the Oscar Isaac was great. It had a bit of a weird thing though, where so. Do you know the anything about it? Do you know the? No, not really. I've just been hearing the hearing the people talk about it, but not really knowing anything specific. Okay, so Oscar Isaac plays this guy who's like a professional gambler, uh, but he does like he basically keeps everything low stakes. He makes just enough to he could make a lot of money doing it, but he basically makes just enough to keep living his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has this like super dark past that he's trying to you know find redemption for like Paul Schrader characters that you, you sure. know Paul Schrader the men in Paul Schrader movies are always like oh yeah is it something about war crimes or something I think I yeah thought. no it's, uh, it's I read Paul Schrader's recent interview <laughs> okay it's 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 not really a spoiler because you you learn it like 10 minutes into the movie he was a prison guard at Abu Ghraib yes that's what it was. uh so it's uh it's a real it's a real dark best yes <laughs> um, it's it's about like you know it's like the worst thing that he could think of for this guy to have done and it has willem dafoe as a guy who had been like his commanding officer there and and it also has ty sheridan and tiffany haddish okay which so I, ty sheridan's good i've seen him in several things and i usually like him i've seen tiffany haddish do serious and i think she can do it uh but for some reason Basically, all of the dialogue in this movie that wasn't coming from Oscar Isaac was very clunky. Like, I feel like he Schrader put all of his effort into writing Oscar Isaac's character and didn't put much effort into the others. I don't think it's the actor's fault because I've seen them all do much better work than this. So in that regard, it was a bit of a mixed bag. But Oscar Isaac is great. And uh, I kind of like poker movies Mm -hmm. as the... As a general, it's a thing that I've like. Do you remember the movie Maverick? Of course, <laughs> we, we watched watch it many times. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that was probably the beginning of my my uh, my mild love of poker movies. Um, although it's interesting, I was actually thinking about this. The, I don't know if you remember this. The the movie Maverick begins with Mel Gibson doing a voiceover explaining how. Well, this may not have been the very start of the movie, but it was early in the movie explaining how he always believed that he had a gift for cards and he believed that he had this magical gift that if he thought hard enough about a specific card, he could cut right to it. Yeah. And it had never worked. It had never worked, but he was convinced that he had this ability, that he had it in him. As you are saying it, I remember. (laughs) Right. So that's like how that movie begins its approach to gambling and cards. This movie, it literally begins with Oscar Isaac doing a voiceover explaining the math of how to count cards. <laughs> like, it's like the opposite approach. Which I, I, I got a, I kind of got a kick out of that once I started thinking about it. But um, at any rate, I liked it. It's an interesting movie. Uh, I like, you know, Schrader's, he writes kind of difficult movies. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but it was pretty good. I liked it. I would recommend it. So then uh, the other night we were doing another installment of uh, watching movies that May had seen as a kid and that I had never seen. Uh-huh. So we watched The Notebook. 
<laughs> I saw that you didn't Shit. like it, and it made me so happy because I hate that movie it's so not, much. It's not uh, good. It's so bad. Uh, it's. I don't understand how this was Ryan Gosling's breakout because it's the least charismatic I've ever seen him be. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, his the first half of the movie, he's just doing like a kind of mediocre young Brando impression, and then the second half of the movie, he's just doing like a kind of mediocre impression of a guy with a beard. <laughs> that's, that's that's it. That's the whole performance. Uh, also, she's such a bad person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I love Rachel McAdams now. Like I've seen her in several things. I really like her. She's a favorite of mine now, but she was not particularly good in this either. Well, it's also, but like, also her character is just a terrible fucking person. And like, it's, it's not her fault, but like, it's just the only scene in the notebook that I liked that I remember liking. I haven't watched it in years, but, um, is the scene where they first have sex, which I thought was awkward and like kind of cute where they were like setting it or whatever. Um, and everything else I was so annoyed by. (laughs) Yeah, there was there was some some stuff between James Garner and Gina Rollins as the older versions of the characters that were wasn't bad. James Garner and Gina Rollins also were I mean, they're great actors. There was one scene in particular where he had like she had kind of remembered some of it. And so they had like these few minutes where she was remembering and remembered who he was and stuff and then lost it. And, he, you know, Garner kind of breaks down and the, she freaks out and the staff has to come in. and. Oh, yeah, it sounds really familiar. That, that was fairly effective. And it had Sam Shepard in it as uh, Gosling's father. I love Sam Shepard. And he was, <laughs> he was fun. Um, but it's not they were not a good they were not like clearly transparently not a good couple. Yes, they were um, a very bad couple. And, and James Marston was like, he seemed like a perfectly nice dude. Perfectly nice guy. <laughs> I, I kept expecting there to be a turn with him where we were going to find out that he was like an asshole who was just had this nice facade. Nope. But it never happened. Nope. Like he was actually a decent guy who really cared about him. And like, it's fine. If you're not in love with him and you don't want to be with him, then fine. Break up with him. Right. But and don't just a, like go cheat on him with someone. <laughs> right. And in, in a better movie, that would be the more interesting choice to For have sure. him be like an acting guy. I mean, but honestly, in this movie, referring back to early in and honestly, in referring back to earlier conversation, that's kind of what happens in Sleepless in Seattle. Right. Is that yeah. Bill Pullman is a perfectly nice guy. And she mm-hmm. keeps trying to, like, convince herself that she's in love with him. And it just doesn't work. And when they finally break up at the end and she tells him, like, Walter, I'm so sorry. You know, I just kept trying to convince this, myself that everything was fine. He gets this, honestly, what I still think is a good speech where he's just like, look, I don't want to be someone that some that you settle for. I don't want to be the, I don't want to be someone that anyone settles for. I want to be loved and I want you to be loved. And then they break up and she goes running off to ridiculously meet Tom Hanks at the top of the... <laughs> But like, but regardless, like he, you know, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just not the thing. And then she breaks up with him and, you know, goes to be with Tom Hanks. But like, and he gets to have at least that moment of being like, well, yeah, like, I don't want that either. Like, I don't want you to be. And it it made me so mad when I watched the movie and she goes like, clearly knowing she's going to fuck Ryan Gosling. Like, come on. And she's just like, and I'm just like, just break up with him, bitch. Like, just mm-hmm. break up with him. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it was real bad. Yeah, it yeah. was it was awful. Um, so, uh, so the last thing the other night, uh, Jared came over and and we watched Riders of Justice, 
wish. Have you heard about Riders of Justice? I'm currently looking at your letterbox page, so I, I can see it, but um, I had not heard okay. of it prior to looking at your letterbox page. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's a, a Danish uh, revenge action movie with Mads Mikkelsen. Sure. Um, we love Mads. Yeah, and uh, it's directed by a guy named Anders Thomas Jensen, who had done some other movies also with Mads before, including one called Adam's Apples that I watched. Sure. That was pretty good. Um, but, you know, this one is the, the like his he uh, he plays a, a soldier whose wife dies in a train crash that um, and he meets this after he comes back to take care of his daughter. He meets this this group of guys who are like these statistics and tech nerds who are convinced that the train crash wasn't an accident, that it was a, an assassination of another person who had been on the train. Um, and it's, it's, it's a weird mix of tones. Cause like this group of nerds, are, they're basically like the, um, uh, the lone gunman from the X-Files. Okay. <laughs> they're like, they're that kind of like that kind of nerds, and they have that kind of like constant stream of of like banter and giving each other shit. Yeah. And Mads is like this stone faced career soldier guy who's trying to deal with raising a teenage daughter without his wife, and <laughs> it's it's a weird mix of stuff. That, so like, there's it is very funny at times. Um, it has some pretty good action, uh, and it has like a it has a, a an approach to like trauma and mental illness that I, you would definitely not see in a Hollywood movie. <laughs> they have a very different attitude about things like that in right. Denmark, apparently. Um, but in a good way, I think. Like, I think it was. I really liked it. It was a lot of fun. All right. It was an interesting. Movie. Uh, I think it's on on Hulu right now. Okay. Um. And I think that's all. I think I'm. I think that covers it. All right. Well, very good. Um, I guess next time we will watch Henry Poole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be. Weird. I remember so little about that movie. It's, I mean, with any luck, we'll hate it with a fiery passion and get to yell a lot for like forty minutes. Yeah. I feel like that would be the better be choice because we're not going to love okay. it. So, like, as long as it's if I hate it, I'm not like so bored. I'm going to die. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll talk to y'all later. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.